The walls of this place shine like iridescent scales. Every color in the rainbow can be seen in the way the light filters through the openings in the ceiling and bounces off the corners and edges. A young man, unarmed and ragged, runs through an iridescent corridor, leaving bloodied handprints against the walls wherever he stops. He clutches at his chest for something that was long since taken from him. But he knows where it is. If he can make it through this place and escape, there's hope for him yet. A figure steps out from behind a corridor just behind. A lithe body draped in shining pearlescent cloth. Slowly, at their own pace, they begin pursuit. Lake Michigan is lashing at the artificial beaches of Solomon City, and the sky is gray as ash. It is midday, and it is cold, and Marcosia's team stands in full-dress uniform at a military ceremony. A solitary bugler plays taps, and it echoes out over the waves with a lonely, inconstant sound. The CAF has sent a contingent down from the Kingston base at Hell's invitation, it includes, surrounded by brass, a handful of scientists and a single young girl on crutches, severely bandaged, wearing a hymnal pendant. They also sent a piper. Once the last line of the song dies out, the officiant reads the names. The casualties of the Kingston incident in alphabetical order. Paimon team's names are read out, all five of them. Jeffrey Fung, Farron Knight, Josephine Stillwater, Oluwafemi Sunday, Catherine Whitley. From Astaroth team, Fatma Abdullahi, Graham Dijkstra, Lena Paquette. Fornia's team lost Mimi, but the efficient calls her Wilhelmina John. Olivia Horn's name is not read, neither is she here. The Morning Dove is still with Hell's medical team. A wreath is laid. There's a moment of silence during which you can feel the damp cold and little else. By the time the ceremony is concluded, you are exhausted though you have done little but stand still. I don't know. I think Mia's been through this a handful of times and is relatively unfazed by it at this point, sadly, and spends the majority of the service just going through the motions. After the ceremony, the wreath is laid and everyone kind of disperses. Nobody wanted to make it look like a party, but there is a table with coffee set up just inside the base, out of the wind. With the ceremony relaxed, everyone is just kind of milling around, waiting to see what they have to do next, or if they have to do anything next. Mia, after the ceremony has ended, makes a point of seeking out the other senior members of some of the surviving groups that were involved, as well as some of the staff, retrieves a flask out of her coat pocket and pours a single shot into everyone's coffee, and then uh, after they all drink, she walks away. Does Balthazar drink coffee? I don't know if Balthazar drinks coffee. I don't drink coffee, so no, they don't either. Okay. Um, 
I think that they've gotten a cup of water and are kind of off to the side, maybe still sitting at one of the seats. Uh, like they got their drink and then like went to sit back down alone amongst all of the empty chairs or like mostly empty chairs now that everybody's up and kind of mingling now. Um, they're sitting in that way where they're like slumped over, holding the cup in like both hands with like their middle and ring fingers like at the bottom of it and like the thumb around the rim just kind of looking down into the reflection in the water Lynn then tries to socialize with whoever she can adults or kids her age or she considers them to be adults her age she gets herself some coffee along the way she's not a coffee drinker she's just a person who drinks coffee never for the taste though it's like medicine or a potion. It acts like the fire she needs to get going sometimes, just to get things moving, socializing, thinking. Other times it just gives her anxiety, but much, much faster. So today she's going to go take some coffee and flip that coin. What is it like being Flannery right now? <laughs> um, deeply uncomfortable, I think, right now. She logically knew what joining up with this organization meant, but didn't really know, know. And I think she's really not sure how to handle this right now, both the like, the fallout from everything and just this situation right now, milling about after all this seriousness. And I think her instinct is to try and distract herself with conversation. Um, so I think she is also going to grab a cup of water. She's not a coffee drinker. I think she, it, the, the, the taste is a non-starter for her. Um, and she's somehow convinced that it must be bad for athletic stuff. So she grabs some water um, and notices Baby over in the corner uh, with their water now, as well. Nobody put them there. Sorry? Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, um, no, baby's just kind of uh, sitting among the chairs, yeah. Yeah, she approaches them and doesn't sit yet, um, just sort of stands and and kind of waves awkwardly as she approaches and says, Hey, um, hey, um, so, water bodies, huh? And she gives a, a strained smile as she points to her cup and, and gives it a, a swig. How, um, how's, how's it going? How, how you doing? Yeah, I don't like coffee. I know, right? It's bleh. Why do people put up with stupid bean juice? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get it why some people like it. It's just... just tastes really bad. Yeah, and you kind of have to really sugarcoat it for it to not feel bad. Yeah. Why do people put in the effort to sugarcoat it when you could just drink something else? No one forced them to drink coffee. I don't know, I guess, I guess they think they get something out of it. Like, I guess it makes sense. Some people need the energy. 
I feel like there's plenty of other ways to get energy, but like, I guess not everyone can get it the same ways. Maybe, maybe it's the only way for some people. Does it have to be coffee? You know, I don't know. And at that, Flannery does sit down next to Baby and takes another sip of her water. Has Lillian been nearby the whole time with her coffee? Yeah, she's been listening to the Water Buddies conversation, but she's been mainly focusing looking at the other staff and crew that she wanted to talk with, seeing Mia pour the whiskey into their coffee and looking at how her own coffee has none of it. Whiskey was for the other adults, those who fought alongside Mia, who are old enough, respected enough, strong enough, whatever it is, enough for Mia. She knew that she was not that. When Lin looks over at the water buddies, she can see that they've accepted who they are, they understand themselves, and they're not drinking the coffee. Lin is not like them. She sits there alone and takes a sip of the coffee that she knows she doesn't like. I think this is about the time where uh, Mia, <laughs> Mia makes her grand entrance. No, um... She breaks away from the rest of the officers after they have had their quiet, sad drink and starts by grabbing Linlin, uh, just swinging by and briefly tapping her on the shoulder. We're all going to talk, so you can take a couple minutes. Y- yes, you, l- Lieutenant. And then she approaches Balthasar and Flannery. Flannery kind of unconsciously stiffens as uh, Mia approaches. I would like to speak to everyone. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, sure, yeah. Balthazar looks up and slightly nods. Good. All right. Um, we'll go step inside and get out of the way of everyone else and their business and we'll all have a conversation. Uh, and then once Linlin meets up with the rest of them. She just escorts them to a nice, like, quiet side hallway or somewhere where she can get away from the rest of the staff or even, like, a small meeting room and pulls up a chair. I imagine they're all stacked up because it's out of use, and she just starts pulling chairs down and setting them in the otherwise completely empty room and then sits down with her big black coffee in her hand. All right. Please uh, sit. I'm going to try not to make this too formal, if I can. I'm not good at the feelings thing. There's an on-site therapist that you can visit. They will give counseling at any point in time if you feel that you need it. If you need to speak about how you feel about all of this, if you feel that you're not fit to stay within the program, that is the place to have those conversations. I'm not. So... First and foremost, Baker, I will say one more time what I said when we left to Kingston. If you are too afraid, then remove yourself for your own sake and for the sake of those around you. You are capable, but if you can't act on it, then I would rather you not be endangering yourself for no reason. 
Beyond that, you made good use of your skills when you did. So for that, I will cut you a break on the brief moment of indecision. Young? Yes, Lieutenant? Excellent work overall. Linlin looks just shocked. She expected to be seen as the weakest link or the least useful there or as if the mission was expected to be a failure. What are you... I don't get it. Things did not go well. There were casualties, of course, but you specifically are the reason why there were not more. Don't you think we could have made sure they're not getting even worse? Like maybe if we looked around the corner, there could have been more people? We lost the communication. We don't it's know what else It's not a matter of guessing. Your actions saved lives. That is fact. So for that, again, good work. Yes, Lieutenant. I think before Mia even says anything, Flannery is kind of biting the inside of her lip and clenching her fists a little bit. And Fontaine, you directly disobeyed me and put yourself in danger. I understand the eagerness to do your best, but at the cost of your own life, I'm really not interested. If I tell you to stay close, you will stay close. Uh, sure. Can do. People are going to die. We can't save absolutely everyone. So, with that plainly stated, I expect you all to do everything in your power to maintain your own lives. Because the longer you stay alive, the more times you get to go out there and actually save people. We're playing a slow and long, drawn-out game. So, don't be reckless and try to listen when possible. I think all things considered, Flannery is like Linlin a little bit surprised. That was not as harsh as she was expecting. I think in her life she's been used to being scolded for not doing well enough in certain areas, especially academics, and being indirectly encouraged while also told what she did wrong is a little bit relieving. Mia takes a big sip of coffee. <clears throat> As going forward, I will be personally doing training drills with each of you and all of you as a group. Any further variations from my orders will be reprimanded much more harshly, if we're clear. Uh, affirmative, yeah. Speaking of which, we'll be starting training regimens tomorrow. So, um... Unless anybody has some other ideas, I do believe it is Jordan's week. All right. Jordan, do you want to do your scene before or after I do my heinous nonsense? We're going to have this one take place just a little bit after this current scene. Okay. Then if you would please. Leanlin has been looking for a private location or some time alone to be able to speak with Mia. Does she have uh, like an office or anything? Yeah, she has a she has an office. Wonderful. So Leanlin is going to wander around the halls, a bit antsy. She's been a bit paranoid, a bit jittery, not just from the caffeine, but 
from the confusion and the stress and thinking about the events of the previous fight. She's been trying to talk to some of the support staff before, but they're understandably busy, again, going with whatever she considers to be the real work that she's been kind of waiting to be able to engage with or really process or understand. And she is wandering the halls, and after she finds Mia's office, she is just pausing in front and pacing around it. It's even from inside, her footsteps are probably very audible. She sits in a chair across from the hall where some people are expected to usually use as a waiting area for Mia's office. And she is hyper fixated on flashing back to when she wanted to speak out before. There is the moment right after she was carried off into the helicopter and she is visibly still within her hymnal unit. And she's antsy, looks like she's ready to dive back into the fray. And just to check, is Mia in office? I think given everything that's happened recently, Mia's pulling a lot of long nights. So yes. All right. She gets up, takes a big deep breath like she knows she always needs to do, and finally knocks on the door. After the knock, there's just no response for a while, but there's distinctly the sound of like pen on paper and paper shuffling from inside. Um, Lieutenant, are you there? Oh, um, how can I help you, Yen? I wanted to talk about the previous events. Um, is it okay to come in? I mean, if you're busy with your office things, but I needed somebody to talk to you and especially you for the recent things. I was very confused and displeased with the interactions we've had. I know you said positive, but... Why don't you step inside and sit down? She scurries inside and takes a quick seat. And Mia's office is like borderline a broom closet. Like it's relatively small. It's just an absolute mess. Most notable things would be on one of the side chairs, there's her motorcycle helmet and jacket piled up in the corner. And then hanging next to the door, there is a leash for walking a dog uh, hung up just loose on a nail. Leland is immediately studying the room a little bit, a bit curious of the different items that seem to humanize what seems to be the impossible demon commander in her head. <laughs> and then she darts her eyes back over at Mia. Why didn't you let me go back? The communication was failing. We didn't know if there was going to be more survivors. I was armed and ready and healthy. So Mia sits down on the other side of the desk and, you know, gestures for Linlin to sit across from her. So you, if I'm understanding you, are concerned that we should have stayed. Yes, that is correct. We had the power. We, we were ready. We were healthy. We should have been able to go in. And we knew that people could have been in trouble with the communication. Young, what do you imagine your current worth to hell is right now? My worth? I mean, it's what we were cast to do, right? There's threats we don't really understand, and I'm here to neutralize those threats. 
And when people need to be saved, I make sure that I can save people. That's the way that it's been advertised before, soldier and hero, right? Perhaps I can clarify my question by asking a second. What do you think or imagine your worth to hell would be six months from now? Or a year from now, perhaps? Honestly, it's going to be like it is right now. I want to be able to do the things that I can do, but even better. I want to be like me, but, you know, even stronger. Maybe someday I can take up more responsibilities or even lead. Um, I don't know. I think I'm just going to be a better me or, you know, a bit like you. I, I think that's the whole point, right? We're just going to do what we currently do. You, Fontaine, and Balthazar are considered high-aptitude hymnal pilots. Valuable resources that I was personally asked to aid not only in your work in the field, but your development further to ensure that you can do exactly what you just said, Young, that six months or a year from now, you can save so many more people than you can save today. And you can't do any of that if I let you die. Then don't let me die. Just give me a chance to do something safe or small or quick. We were in really good condition. We could have gone out there and stayed out there fighting for like another couple of minutes. Balthasar was barely able to move for minutes in active combat. I, I'm sorry, I understand your feelings. I really do. But it was my decision and I will not apologize for it. If you disagree, then that is your choice to disagree with me. But there was too much unknown. The condemnation in the area was life-threatening to mere civilians and a danger even to us in the hymnals. The fact is, your three lives mattered more to me in that moment than the potentially existent other lives that were there. Those deaths are mine to carry, not yours. And if you are unhappy with my orders, fine. Lieutenant, with all due respect, this team has eight hands. This is all of us together. Those lives are on all of us. We're supposed to be a team and a squad here together, right? And I think our word has value there. I'm aware. And it's my job, my orders, to make sure that you all come back alive. And I had never been in the field with any of you. Not once. I just wasn't prepared to make that risk. And if that means that I am underestimating the three of you, then I am happy to be proven wrong. She fidgets in her seat a little bit, but then straightens up when she finds some words that she wants to use for this opportunity. I, I think we can do it. Just keep in mind that we're fast and we're strong. 30 seconds, that's like all I'm asking for when that time comes. It would be unprofessional of me to make promises, but I will consider it. Thank you. I understand the position you're in, just I worry about not being able to, you know. I understand. Okay, I, I don't think I can ask for anything more than that. I just wanted to uh, communicate 
that. And then she'll eye the room around some more as she's avoiding eye contact and then see some of the paperwork that she knows that someday she'll have to learn how to do. So what's uh, that about? Oh, um, reports about extensive damage to the structure prior to the collapse. How long I estimate they were there prior to us arriving. Evaluations on your emotional and mental states upon arrival on the scene. Just a lot of writing things down so that I can submit them so they know what to expect the next time all of us go out into the field. She tips her chair a little bit forward as she tries to eye the evaluations as if there is a student trying to study for the test and look for the exam questions ahead of time. Can you show me how I'm supposed to fill that out? <laughs> um, it is late, Young. You should get some rest. This has been a difficult few days, I imagine, so sleep will do you well. Right. Is it alright if I stick around a little longer? Uh, it, it's kind of nice just being here for a bit. This side of base life is, um soothing. You know what? You're welcome to. I only have a few more minutes before I have to go pick up some, pick up something important, so feel free. Okay, that's enough for me. Occasionally checking her phone, she absorbs what she can in the room, looking over at Mia being calm. Coffee was starting to run down a little bit as she gave a bit of a yawn. There really wasn't much more that she really came in to do, but it was nice to just take in for a little bit and watch this for a little longer. It is delightfully uneventful. <laughs> That's exactly as she's looking for. The next week or so is, I don't want to say uneventful. Mia, after all, has a full training regimen prepared. There are events, I assure you. But not events that I, as your choir master, will have to facilitate. And then, about a week from the ceremony, you are called to the bridge. You are informed of the following. There's been a hymnal signal. Belonging to the hymnal Excalibur, piloted by the fallen Farron Knight in the middle of Lake Superior. They're sending analysts get a better grip on the signal, and they're certainly not going to send them unprotected. And that's where you all come in. Given the briefing, I think Mia would ask for any records on this particular hymnal as far as like specific information about the hymnal unit itself. Excalibur is a type one It's a Tsurugi type, although the blade itself is closer to like a bastard sword or a Scottish claymore. Farron Knight, the pilot, is like Mia, a field team leader. Not quite Mia's rank, but approaching. Definitely the oldest member of Paimon team. And is this someone that we, the kids, would have seen around base anywhere? Like in passing? Oh, yes. Tall, confident, like everyone on Paimon seemed to be. It sounds like someone Flannery would have vibed pretty well with in that case. Yeah. And despite being one of the people memorialized a week prior, Excalibur's signal has been detected. 
Uh, so I think that's exciting question mark. <laughs> exciting question mark. And so our next shot is the party and some speedboats over the placid surface of Lake Superior. It should be noted that each of you is riding with an analyst who is also mostly piloting, or rather who can take the wheel if need be. Ooh, which analyst do we have on board? That's a good question. I don't think it's the named for support staff just because uh, I would feel like a heel if I murdered them in the second episode. <laughs> Wait, Fair. are these people about to die? <laughs> are their shirts some shade of crimson, perhaps? Oh, no. No, I have placed civilians at the scene. Fair enough. <laughs> like, that's all I've done. <laughs> it's your guys' job to make sure they don't die, not me. So, can any of you pilot a speedboat? Oh, that's big no there. Okay. I think Balthazar can. Okay. And I say that since my family lives on a man-made island. Yeah. That I think we have a speedboat. And my dad definitely took me out for a ride once, thinking that it would be cool and good. And he gave me my first beer, and it was bad. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I love the idea of Baby potentially lying about it and being like, nah, I've never been on a speedboat. That's, like, bougie shit. I'm, I'm cool and normal. <laughs> I'm not like those other rich kids, guys, I swear. I'm uncool and normal. <laughs> And Flannery takes it at complete face value because she's like, yeah, I've lived in a landlocked area my whole life. <laughs> landlocked, <laughs> not water buddies, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mia could, out of just like sheer like confidence of being behind multiple different types of vehicles in her life and just being like, uh, it can't be too different. Just don't panic and do something stupid. Yeah. So Mia and baby, are you driving? Has someone asked me to drive? Oh, yeah. I think as soon as you were away from your commanding officer, the analyst was like, hey, you want to drive? Okay. That's more of a question, not a command. I think then Vafy will say no. Okay. So, uh, Mia, with both hands free, I'm assuming Mia drives. Uh, I mean, I was going to make the analyst drive because Mia's stance is like, well, if something bad happens, I'm not driving and fighting, so you drive. Okay. So um, it takes a bit because all the analysts have to both drive and compute. But as you reach the center of the lake, suddenly the signal goes dead. And everyone is paused, trying to determine what exactly to do when a figure approaches. Oh, I don't like that. Approaches where? Is it a cool figure? Yes, very. The first thing you see is a figure racing along the surface of the water at impossible speed, throwing up waves alongside. They are tall, about six feet, wearing a helmet of pearlescent material and what looks to be just like a dangerously slit gown, both like too low and too high, and ribbons of rainbow material extending from all sides, particularly from the helmet, where they give the appearance of kind of a Medusa. And 
the figure is just like heading towards you. And as they arrive near the boats, some translucent glassy wheels adorned with wings fill the air with a whistling sound. These are third chorus angels that just appear out of these complex nested glyphs on the air. And now I do believe it's fight time. Uh oh. So, a couple of little things I thought you should know as your GM. You have two movement options. You can move boat, or if you're real quick and confident, you can move on water. If you attempt to move without the boat, I'm going to ask you for a tempo roll, and a failure puts you in the drink. And other bad stuff will happen, but you will be in the drink. Does anybody want to do a thing? Oh, oh you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe the things that I want to do. <laughs> My mind is racing with anime bullshit, and all of it is terrible, and I love all of it. <laughs> so I'm going to do the cool transformation thing if I'm not already, because yeah, I'm going to do some big, strong moves. Okay. I also have a question for Jordan. Yes. Jordan, what song is Lin Lin singing? Yeah, it's going to be the love type, and it's going to be named Strawberry Moon. That's wonderful. It's a very, like, high pop energy right now with, like, small pop rock elements. It's mainly just a motivating factor of just a vague form of love, not necessarily romantic, not necessarily platonic, just in love with the idea of love itself. That actually, yeah, that was kind of my first question because I was going to just pop open the book here. And the questions are, who do you love the most? Right now, that'd be the other two kids at the scene. Is there any limit to what you do in order to stay with them? There definitely isn't. She will break any type of rule if needed, but require, hopefully, asking the 30 seconds first. All right. So I think I should also mention, while we're getting started, there are four civilians on the scene. Just to be clear, that's the boat pilots, right? Yes, indeed. Dylan, unleash your nonsense, please. Yes, I would love to. Thank you, Kat. So Mia's going to conjure her hymnal and then grab the analyst by the collar of their shirt and throw them into Balthasar's boat. Uh, <laughs> uh. I think I'm going to ask you for a volume roll for that, please. I would love to do that. Yeah, just going to like immediately transform, nearly double in size, and then just pitch them backwards further away from the angels. That's a, a five and a three. A five will do the trick. Hell yeah. You do not chuck them into the lake. They land in the boat, tumble over the computers and delicate equipment within. Very good. Mia does not apologize. No, it's not time for that. <laughs> she does whisper as she picks them up. Hope you can swim. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then pitches them back, hoping for the best. So I have a, I'm going to get up to some more bullshit. So Mia's going to climb onto the nose of the boat. Yes. And I want to rip off the entire front of the boat, if possible, if I can, in one solid piece. And I either want to throw it at one of them or use knock away and try to home run that shit at one of them. 
I don't see why I wouldn't allow that. Okay, cool. I don't see what is wrong with that. So, um, well, you've already made an action this round, which was chucking the analyst. So I'm comfortable spending a ability instead then. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to ask of you. Okay. Yeah, I'll use knock away. All right. Yeah. So Mia just like slams the giant club down on like the side of the speedboat, um, just rips up a giant piece of it and then tosses it in the air and then just gives it one big baseball swing and just hits it with everything <laughs> she's got. <laughs> oh, that is nonsense. You're right. How much damage does knock away do? Does one. Okay. Yeah. I think because these are glassy, like a chunk is taken out of the one in back, but it is still flying. Okay. Eyes up. Keep them defended. I'll stay at the front. Beautiful. What about the rest of the team? So how are evacuation rules working in this combat, considering our civilians are also our boat pilots and don't really have anywhere else to go? They don't. I had a suggestion. I'm listening. If it is a case of, uh, you know, them being in the boats, the evacuation could get them out of there, but also the boat is gone as well, so we don't have it to stand on. And then I was going to ask, if we put them all in the same boat, we only have to lose one of them. Someone sees where I was going. I like the way Balthasar is thinking. Everybody just shove into Balthasar's boat. All right, teamwork. I think actually, as you're maybe thinking that, your eyes meet Flannery's in that moment, and I think you both realize that you're having the same thought. Nice. And then Flannery's eyes go to her analyst and a grin manifests <laughs> as the analyst gulps. Uh, okay, do the volume roll to do the thing. To the scientist, please. <laughs> to, to chuck a scientist? Please, yes. <laughs> I rolled two sixes and a four. Beautiful, beautiful. They land perfectly. They don't damage anything. That You hear a, what? Come on! <laughs> I am they nothing are... if not <laughs> precise in my athletic abilities. <laughs> okay. So that means there's only one left in uh, Lin Lin's boat, right? That's right. You want to throw him over here? <laughs> I think um, Lin Lin is about to like lunge forward towards the angels in Nephilim and then realizes what's going on beside her. And seeing that Flannery just threw somebody over after Mia threw somebody over. Liam definitely wants to, like, be able to take part in the activity with everybody else. <laughs> she just wants to feel included. Oh, yeah, so it looks like she's, like, lunging over, about to strike, but then um, she's going to look over at Mia and assumes that she's got this covered, and I believe for a love song, you're allowed to set an arcane barrier on somebody, right? Yeah. Ooh. Okay, Mia gets the barrier. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna be so reckless. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leland is just going to, like, pick up the person who's with her right now in that boat and just, like, jump over to the other boat to drop off by Balthazar's boat. Okay, so I'm going to ask you for a volume or a tempo roll, I guess. That is a two, four, six, six. So now we have got two hymnal pilots and four scientists in the same boat. We have <laughs> one boat with no one in it. We have Flannery. Queen of the boat. <laughs> Queen of the boat. I guess if they're all in my boat now, <laughs> I'm going to do the evacuation. I mean, they can all drive. Yeah. 
So do I even need to evacuate them? Yeah, do you just need to cover their exit, basically? Yeah, if you get out of this boat, they can hightail it. Okay, yeah, no, easy for me. So I think I described Baby's hymnal as being suit-like, like a tuxedo almost. Yes, you did, and I love it. <laughs> and I think, like, the kind of thing that I was thinking for the wires, I think I described it as, like, thin sheets of, like, paper almost, or, like, almost like ties or, like, a handkerchief tied together in, like, an infinite loop Ooh. and them being, like, razor thin. And so almost... <laughs> like spider legs. I don't know why I'm super into spiders. Spiders are dope. <laughs> um, spiders are great. Spiders, spiders are great. But almost like spider legs, like they come out almost of collar, like behind their head. Yeah. And then split into four arms and like hypersonically vibrate on the ends of them to keep like friction with the water so they can just stand. Like a water strider? Yeah, like a water strider. Yeah. Mm. Okay. First of all, where are you going? If I just need to get out of the boat, I'm going to go to the boat to the left because it won't keep up with us if no one's in it currently. Okay. Maybe, yeah, up towards the front of the boat for right now. Okay. And just so we know, I'm doing a, a hopeful song right now. Okay, good. My hopeful song is called Come Rain or Come Shine. Baby sings for hope. I'm going to ask you for a tempo roll for that, please. Tempo roll? Tempo roll. Ah, that's a six, a four, and a two. Beautiful. Beautiful water strider. Elegant water strider. Yes. I love it. Um, and then I think I'm going to go to stand on top of the boat that's on the left. Uh-huh. And I'm going to stand on the hood of it, and I'm going to use two of the legs of the weird silk spider leg thing I've got going on to drive the boat. (laughs) And then use the other two almost like a skis to make it easier to make hard turns if I need to. (laughs) Yes! I love that! It's horrible! (laughs) (laughs) I love it! So we've had actions from everyone. We've had movement from Baby. Do we have any movement from anybody else? Yeah, I think Linlin is going to just flip into the air and then from her boot, it's just going to jet out towards Mia's boat just because I think it's time for everybody else to evacuate. Okay. Are you aiming to just like land in a seat like a cool kid or are you aiming to land on the back? She wants to land on the back because it's a nice view and it helps her feel taller. And she knows that she's going to need to go jump again pretty soon anyway. All right. Beautiful. I think... Oh, that's a movement I'm going to allow you to do. You're just doing a... Well, no, I made baby roll. (laughs) Tempo! That's only fair. Okay, that is a five. That's good enough. Flannery, are you staying in the boat, in the seat? I'm going to stay on the boat, but everybody else is standing on cool parts of the boat, so Flannery's going to stand on the front of the boat, too. (laughs) Yes! She's going to do a little flip up there. Nice. (laughs) Uh, but also, I, I think she doesn't want to move too much yet because they're in a pretty good defensive formation already. And Mia said to defend, and she's going to listen. So now it's, I believe, my turn. And I think what's going to happen is speedboat number four here is going to leave. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye, boat number four. 
the analysts have dipped. There are no civilians on the scene. No one dies today. No one dies for real this time. <laughs> yeah, not no one dies, or at least we think. Well, we didn't really check. There's no real way to know. So no one died. <laughs> so the first thing that happens is the Nephilim skids as if skidding to a stop, but continues moving, is very clearly moving. And while doing that, they're going to just like unleash these balls of pearlescent rainbow energy that are going to deal one harm to three targets. I think they're gonna pick Mia, Linlin, and uh, Baby. Take one harm apiece. Wow, an interesting choice of people to choose. Mia's fine. Mia had the barrier. And here's the thing about this Nephilim. When they act, they act twice. So I think for funsies, they're also going to raise their arms and the fabric around them curls up into a circle. And in that circle, another ball of energy manifests, a larger one that does in fact bean Mia or at least intends to be in Mia. That's fine. This is fine. Fine. <laughs> Do you have any defensive moves? Oh, absolutely not. This character is built to hurt people. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wait, Cat. Yeah? So technically I've been targeted twice, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I get four gain because of my Brave Song for both of the two attacks. Ooh. Yeah. I have 10 Ooh. right now. Oh, shit. Damn. I'm going to do so much shit. I'm bullying. <laughs> I, I, I deserve this. So <laughs> the next thing that happens is these spinning angels, I think. Oh, wow. It's good that they can do that. Okay. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, no, this sounded real bad. Oh, no, don't worry about it. So the first thing that happens is, where is my, here it is. The angels on the outer flanks begin to spin. And as they do, a rainbow wind blows through them. And you hear over your comms, condemnation 40% and rising. But these angels can also uh, siphon gain from a far hymnal. See, how did I know that that's what you were going to do when I mentioned my 10 bean? <laughs> so this one that you hit with boat parts, the one that you hit with boat parts is going to steal two of them. No, that's not targeting you with an attack. I know. Otherwise, you'll just get it back. <laughs> I know. And that has been my turn. <laughs> that's a lot of condemnation. That's really bad. <laughs> is anyone doing bad on health right now? Moon's got two, but she's got six gains, so. Okay. I'm full health. I'm one away from dying. Oh, geez. I only have two health, so taking that one wasn't great for me. You got gain, though. Can I use gain for health? Is that a thing? If you hit zero health, you can replace health with gain. If you hit zero gain, you can replace gain with health. Whoa, okay, I'm doing really good, because I just got six. I mean, I'm at six currently. Okay. I think this might be the first time I get you to say no, Cat, but you'll have to tell me. Um... So I want to warn Lin Lin to be prepared to no longer be on the boat. <laughs> and then I want to kickflip the boat and then hit it into the Nephilim with my bat. That's pretty badass. 
go for it. Here's Kat, I, if you say no to this, I swear. I wouldn't. Here's the problem. I, I wouldn't in good conscience because it's rad. So what I'm instead going to do is I am going to ask you for a volume roll. That's fine. And I'm going to ask Lin Lin for a tempo roll. That's fair. <laughs> that's another five. Hey, that's two sixes. Okay. So where's Lin Lin headed? Oh, this might be the worst, but I think as you launch it into the air to like try to smash it into the Nephilim, I think she's going to ride the boat. She wants to hit this thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell oh, yeah. that's pretty dope. Combo attack. Thematically, I'm going to use this as batter this time because I imagine the whole boat probably does more than one harm. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That's going to leave Mia, I believe, on the drink. Yeah, that's fine. I'll try to get out of the water as quickly as possible. Okay, can I add on to this combo as a thing to do after you do your thing to get you back into a boat? <laughs> Fuck yes. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So since Mia had all that gain from just getting hit multiple times, Oni, the actual hymnal, starts seething and making this noise like feedback passed through a distortion pedal. And then she just like warns Lin Lin and then crouches down and pushes the boat down into the water as hard as possible and then lets the buoyancy lift it back up into the air and then just hits it with everything she's got with the back. Beautiful. And yeah, as the Nephilim turns around, the boat just kind of collides directly with them. <laughs> and you hear a voice, like you'll hear a ah from this uh, otherworldly creature. Uh, there is like a small look of surprise from that. Leland's actually never seen an angel like speak or make a human-esque noise before. <laughs> and then I think as the boat slams into the feeling, that's when she's going to go jump off of the boat and just bring her polar arm up into the air. And plasma just covers the entire thing and extends out to make a gigantic scythe that she's just going to sweep straight down, cutting the boat and hopefully the feel <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would love for you to make me a volume roll for that attack, please. All right. This is our first attack roll of the campaign. That's a three. <laughs> oh, dear. I think you slice through the boat and you are slicing downward and then suddenly they are not there. Yikes. <laughs> they are fast. And they jet out from under the boat and start racing back toward Mia. At this point, I, I Flannery would like to make a move, if that's possible. I would love it if you would. <laughs> After this nonsense happens, Flannery no sees that Mia is now, like, left out in the drink, so I want her to move boat closer to Mia, in between Mia and the Nephilim. Okay. Yeah, and, like, sideswipe so that the sides are facing Mia and the angel, respectively. Okay. And I think, hmm, how many times in a row can I use the same power? How many times do you have gain for? Okay. So Flannery's going to drive her boat in between Mia and the Nephilim before the Nephilim can get to Mia. And Flannery's going to shout over her shoulder first to Mia, saying, Get in! And she's going to try and defend Mia by using her big ol' Hellraiser attack on the Nephilim. Yeah! Because now it's a close target. Yeah! Um, and she's going to use that twice, because she has four gain. So... For each time she uses it, that deals one harm to a close target. 
It also reduces condemnation on the battlefield by 10%. Beautiful. So she's going to fire up this gigantic flame tornado with her sword and just blast it underneath the Nephilim and try to blow her up into the sky, basically. It absolutely does. I think that there's a geyser that follows this tornado of fire up into the air and you see the figure of the Nephilim dragged up with it. And you hear 20% and falling. Uh, as just an added oomph to this, I would also like her to shoot the sections of her blade upward to get like a, a regular stab attack in there as well. Regular stab attack, roll for me. Yeah. And the good thing about a resolute song is that when I attack on a roll of three to six, my action will be a complete success. Well, that would be volume, I think. Okay. Uh, my highest is a five. Highest is a five. The reason I said well is because whatever this is, it is too fast. Anything less than a six won't connect. Ooh. As they fall back down toward the water, they see this and twist in a jerky, almost impossible to see movement and land on the surface of the lake a little ways from you. Oh, nope. And the, the figure raises a finger and wags it at you. And Flannery's eyes narrow like, mm. <laughs> Sorry, Kat, I'm gonna ask a mechanics question. Yeah. So it's, I used like a standard, just a regular move to do the, do my kickflip. Yeah. Do I still have like an actual movement action as well? Or is it like a universal? Oh movement? yeah. Okay, cool. You can move and you could use as many powers as you like whenever you want. I asked primarily because um, my song also gives me another action. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that. It's a good song. It's a banger. And I do have some gain to spend. So I just wanted to make sure I could do several yeah. things. Oh, you can you can do several things, okay. yes. That's very good to know. All right. Uh, was there anyone else who still had actions on the table or is We have not heard from the baby. <laughs> it's me, the baby. Um <laughs> I think I'm going to go get Lin Lin. <laughs> I'm going to send out like a strand of this cloth to wrap it around the boat and then pull me over to it. Ooh. And that puts them right in my near range. And I'm going to spend one game to lasso them back onto the boat I just jumped off of. Okay. That Ooh. is, by them, you mean the Nephilim, right? No. No? No. Because oh. my my thought process was that the boat that was just thrown is destroyed, right? It's gone. Yeah. yeah. That boat is extra, extra broken. Yeah. Yes. So I would do it uh, for uh, Lin Lin to get them off of this destroyed boat and back onto a stable boat. All right. I think that sounds to me like a tempo roll. That sounds to me like being quick and moving quick. That's a six, a three, and a one. Beautiful. Are you using any powers other than lasso? Yeah, <laughs> cool. I'll do something on this Nephilim because they are Please. bad news bears. They're not great news, no. I'm going to do uh, two gain for Razor Net. I'm going to choose a target in near <laughs> range. So that's, that's that Nephilim right there. And I'm going to prevent that target's next attack or movement. And if it attempts or is attempting to move or attack, uh, I deal one harm to them. 
or it deals <laughs> one harm to them. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, well, it would have the added effect of slowing them down so they can't run across the water, but they are also stuck in place by this razor net. Mm-hmm. And you do hear a muffled shout of rage from under the helmet. Huh. Baby does not say that. (laughs) (laughs) Baby is um, quietly panicking. Well, Flannery will say ha out loud then. (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. So is that the party's turns? Yeah. Is Mia getting back in the boat, by the way? (laughs) So Mia's going to slide across the nose of the boat like the hood of a car. (laughs) Because I'm not done this Nephilim has refused to fight me head on and instead went around me and I'm not here for it. So I'm gonna close the gap to get close enough to just hit them. And now that they're held in place, which is really nice, this is great news for me. I'm gonna swing a couple times. So I'm gonna at least do my standard attack, just try to hit as hard as possible. Okay. First thing I want from you is a tempo roll to get there on the surface of the water without sinking. Okay, so now here's the part that's bad. Well, I did warn you I was going to be doing I that. I know. Which which one? Which which of you do I trust? <laughs> Don't let me down. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> So I have one tempo, and I rolled a two. Oh. <laughs> Were you hit by the boat? <laughs> she just goes right into the side. <laughs> I do think that you can't get up the momentum to do a slide, and you end up just, like, on the top of the boat. All of my abilities only work at close range. This is a fight for fast people. Uh, um... They are still within my range, so I'll spend a game to lasso them onto the boat. Yeah, that's teamwork. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is amazing. Yes, thank you. I was going to use that game to catch you <laughs> if you fell and we're still on the other side of the boat. <laughs> but this also works. Perfect. <laughs> teamwork, I love it. It's beautiful. Oh, both of you can just go to town on it right now. Can't on my next turn anyway. <laughs> Yeah, Mia's doing a top secret extra turn. Yep. These are my brave actions where I almost fall in the water and drown. You did, yeah. So with that, again, yeah, I'm just going to try and take my regular attack and then I'm going to use some extra gain afterwards to do batter. Okay. I'm assuming volume then for regular attack, right? Yes, please. I figured. Hey, there's the six I wanted. (laughs) Okay. For the first time, you solidly connect with this creature. They were quick enough to get their head out of the way, but you do give them a good solid body blow that they won't soon forget. Mia's going to take the strike and then pivot on her heels to completely twist her body around and go for a second full body swing with batter. Okay. There's no limit on using the same power, right? No. I could do it six more times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what batter was. I'd, I'd love to say that was counter to the design, but that's literally what batter is designed for. Just unloading. So I'll do it again then to try and put them on a knee and then just try to start beating them into the front of the boat. Oh. Like overhead swings. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> a lot of Mia's paperwork is for destroying hell property. 
Another boat destroyed. <laughs> I do like that. Let's compromise. I think you do put them right through the boat. I'm fine with putting them all the way out under the bottom. <laughs> that would be funny. Just straight through underneath. Yeah. And that is... Well, there's still three angels, and it is my turn now. Yeah, sadly, those other three angels have been gloriously unbothered for the most part. Yeah, they've been completely unbothered. Okay, so, oh, they can do one harm to far targets. Everything's a far target, because they've been ignored. That makes sense. Let's deal a damage to Lin Lin, and a damage to Mia, and let's take two gain from Flannery. Ah! I don't have any gain to take. Oh no. Uh-oh. And then deal a damage to Flannery? Oh. Does that take two health for the two gain and then the extra damage? Oh no, no, uh, I just mean it takes two gain. I think it found out that it didn't get what it wanted, so it, then it deals damage to you just with an attack. Oh, okay. Well, that's better for me because with my resolute song, I take one less harm from attacks. Oh, so a one harm attack isn't gonna do anything to you. Flannery's just gonna brace herself when that attack is incoming. And for my last thing, I'm gonna bully baby for one. All right, that puts me at zero health. Oh, um, I think for for Lehman, I think she has like spinning shield, which like spend one to prevent a close attack. But I'm realizing right now it doesn't really make a difference in this case. It's one for one either way. So I'm just gonna say, yeah, she blocks it in this case. She's gonna use her spinning shield to block it. Uh, baby's not close. Oh snap, that's right. Baby's far uh, from you. I'm so far. You are on separate boats. I threw you off this boat to save you. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Sorry. I love when the children protect each other, but... Oh, Tragic. So, yeah, Leland's just, like, reaching out, but, like, it just happens before she can reach. Okay. I don't know how the gain-to-health thing works. It's just one-to-one. -one. Yeah, it's one-to-one. -one. Okay, cool. So, I will burn two gain for two health. Yeah. Back to full, baby. Back to full. <laughs> now it's the party's turn. Boat number two has started to sink. So is boat number one. Oh, that's not good. Well, some stuff has been done to the boats. Somebody happened to these boats. <laughs> it's just a small hole. It's through, yeah. the, it's through the nose. It's the, like the least important part of the boat, I think. I mean, holes anywhere in boat isn't appreciated by boat usually. I, I'd like to ask an expert. As the resident boat expert, I would say, <laughs> uh, the boat's fine, and we don't have actually all of the boats are um, indestructible. These are very special boats. Oh, thank goodness! Yeah, in fact, it's made the boat more hydrodynamic. Actually, mm -hmm. these are military grade boats. Yeah, we're streamlining them. It's fine. Yeah, um, I think for baby, I'm gonna do the. T the the almost said tentacle. They're kind of like tentacles. I have I'm Dokok. I'm Dokok, but with ties. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tyok. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> or not. It's horrible. That works kind of with K and O T. Oh. Um, I'm going to use two of the arms to pull me back over to boat number three. Okay. And can I use my action to drive the boat? Why not? Yo. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to try to drive it in between 
the two angels that are in front of the sinking boat number one in a way where it's like kind of angled where both of them are at ends of the boat. Okay, yeah. So you're just gonna do a big cool maneuver. Yeah. All right. I just love in my little heart, see, for everybody to make me a harmony roll right now, Zs. Harmony? I got a two. Hey, good news. I also got a two. Hey, twinning. I got a five, a one, a two, and a one. (laughs) But I got that five. You got the five. That's what matters. That's a success. (laughs) One, two, and three. Absolute trash. So, Beltstar. Yes. Your scanners pick up a flash of energy beneath the surface of the lake. Moving away. Hmm. Troubling, I know. Troubling. Um, sorry, you were in the middle of your turn, though. How rude of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I've done everything I can do at this point. Okay. Um, what about her? <laughs> yeah. I think Leland's just frustrated that she hasn't hit a single thing just ever. <laughs> so I think she's going to go at the end of the boat that baby is operating and see if she can go smash the angel at the very end of it. Just like running across the nose and just diving straight over it. Yes. Make me an attack roll, would you please? All right. That is a four. Okay. Four is a success with consequences. I think it gets a move off and steals two of your gains. Oh, that's heartbreaking. But then shatters. Stole all that game for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Never I just wanted to, to go down swinging. <laughs> yeah. So petty. Right. <laughs> With this boat now in position, I think Flannery will take advantage of that as an opportunity to get off the sinking boat, jump over to the not sinking boat, so that she can be right underneath the angel that's nearby. Okay. First, she's going to use her rocket blade power. So she's going to jump up towards them and deal two harm to a close target with her sword. Yeah. And once they're on her sword, she's going to use her whip sword to sort of whip them back over her shoulder in Mia's direction and call out to Mia, batter up! And that's going to go to the edge of Flannery's near range. I love that. It is injured, but not out of the fight yet. Yeah. Oh, and she also gets to follow it to close range. It's like, she's going to move to the side of the boat that's closest to it. Just to make sure this happens properly. Love that. Very good. So, a little interiority for Mia. After pulling the Nephilim, like, through the boat into the water... Mia has been staring into the water, waiting for it to come back with just, like, this upsetting amount of focus and determination to finish it to the point where the only thing that snaps her out of staring through the hole into the water is Flannery, at which point her head snaps up and she moves into action to take a swing at the angel. Yeah! Uh, And I'm just going to use a regular old regular attack. Yeah. There is another five and six. Why? Where was this when I wanted it the most? Um, Yeah, just. Where was it when you needed to stay dry? Smackaroonie. And that one gets shattered. 
Yes. Just swinging violently, the like distortion noise coming from the hymnal slowly fading as Mia burns through all of her gain. And then the mouth, the like Oni mask mouth of the hymnal opens as just like steam starts billowing out and she collapses to one knee. Flannery waits for a bit because after what happened last time, this might not be the last of it. But Kat, does anything else happen after this? Before I say anything else? The only thing that happens after this is um, you hear something over your comms. Does this, um, (laughs) do these things work? Do they work still? Oh, am I getting through? Hello? Hi, can you hear me? What the, who the hell are you? What the, what are you doing? (laughs) How are you doing that? Come back here. I'm not coming back. Not yet. Speak in person. Hmm. Well, if you want this thingy back, you'll get your chance. By the way, it's Alexander Six. Remember, okay? So once that whole thing has passed and things have calmed down after a couple minutes, um, I think Flannery does let out a huge cheer that they actually did something and seems to have succeeded, the escape of the Nephilim notwithstanding. She's going to rush over to Baby and just, like, throw him in a big bear hug and and, <laughs> and jump up with him <laughs> without um, knocking the boat over, hopefully. <laughs> yeah! Heck yeah, Baby, we did it! We actually did it! Uh, I think Baby's, like, still trying to hold on to the boat. <laughs> you did... Oh, my God, you did so much... Ah, your your spider shit is so cool. Lin-Lin and you, you sliced the boat, the boat in, in half with your scythe. Good. Ah. The boat. You, you killed that thing with a boat. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're all so cool. Oh, man. I think Lin-Lin's just like lying down almost as if doing like a snow angel on the nose of the current boat <laughs> and looks over to see the remains of the other two boats. <laughs> This is not bothering Flannery one bit. <laughs> All she cares about is that they got the angels and they're good. And no one died. No one died. Mia's been deathly quiet, staring off into the perceived distance of wherever this Nephilim went and is just like seething. I think Baby remembers like the sensor pickup that, that they had gotten about that energy signature. Um, and like seeing her like kind of like looking back and seeing like that. I think Baby makes the very distinct decision not to mention the direction and or the fact that they were able to pick it up at all and just keeps piloting the boat quietly. Road to Heaven stars Aaron Cerise as Flannery, Kendrick as Baby, Jordan as Lin and Dylan as Mia. I have been your choir master, Kat. We are playing Blazing Hymn, a game based on the Lumen Engine by Spencer Campbell. Thanks to all our Kickstarter and Itch supporters for making Road to Heaven possible. This episode was sponsored by Sandro. 
Thanks so much for your support, bud. Stable boat. Back, Wonderful. back to stable boat. She won't break this one. Well. I hope someone's going to have to pay for these boats. And it's not going to be us. It's going to be the taxpayers. That's the answer. <laughs> it's going to be the taxpayers. <laughs> it's fine.